0: canyons We're, we're nerdy and you probably are too i'm tegan and i'm here today with lindsay and we're here to talk nerdy about uh some issues surrounding harry potter you know we're both harry potter fans we've seen the movies we've read the books you know we consume the media but that's not to say that harry potter is perfect or that you know it doesn't have flaws because it most certainly does Um, especially surrounding its author and some of the things she says and things she does and some of the things, obviously, that she has put in her stories. Um, I know, you know, especially with her comments regarding uh, trans folks, it has kind of come to a point where some people kind of like to say that, oh, Harry Potter has just sprung into existence, you know, without any author at all. And I mean, while that's a great kind of sentiment to have where you're not recognizing the author, Um, At the same time, to completely discount the author also can take away and discount the troublesome and problematic things that she has put into those books. I think it's important to recognize that, you know, yes, this problematic person wrote this book and I love these books and I love this story and this world, but there are problematic things in it. And, you know, recognizing that this person wrote it helps to also recognize the problematic things in it, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it does. What
1: I think is, what I do want to mention though, what I think is really interesting about um, everything in regards to this topic is that when you are an author, you take a certain kind of artistic license to what you're writing. Mm -hmm. And I can, I can, I mean like, I guess I'm glad I'm not a writer because I wouldn't want to be under the kind of scrutiny that someone like J.K. Rowling is under. Mm -hmm. In the sense that, like, you are clearly instrumental in shaping young lives and shaping what people think the world is like, um, especially, like, this world that you create yourself. But simultaneously, if you're the author of something, you get to write whatever you want to write. So it's sort of like a double-edged sword in the sense that... You it's like get you, to choose.
0: Yeah, you can choose, and you, you definitely you know, can write whatever you want to write. It's just you need to be able to step up and take charge of what you write and be able you know, to recognize that, hey, if I put something in a work, then I need to stand on that. Or else, if I realize that it's problematic later on, then I need to be able to say, yeah, that wasn't good. You know? Yeah. I need to be so able to acknowledge the, that.
1: The, the biggest issue in all of that is that she doesn't ever say that she did anything wrong oh yeah
0: oh yeah she's basically just been doubling down and everything like that I mean it's you know I I get the whole you know sentiment I've seen this before that oh you need to write what you write what you know and everything like that sure. and it's like okay I get that I am a writer myself so I do write a lot of things but of I know but the thing is is you need to research and you need to really be careful and cautious of some things that you put in there because they can reflect your own biases and you know your own privilege and you know that's that's not always necessarily a good thing um i know i was recently writing a story for um, for a challenge and i had created this whole little world full of like these supernatural creatures like vampires and werewolves and um the two main characters was a vampire and a werewolf and their whole world that they existed in were mostly comprised in that particular country of vampires but i had a fae character that was coming in, and I had to try to, like, explain how he was there and how he was not a vampire, and I initially had written him as an immigrant, but later on I'm like, oh, that's not so great, because now it's kind of like, you know, saying potentially someone could look at that and say, oh, well, that's an anti-immigration kind of, uh, stance because this person turned out to try to be assassinating, you know, this character. So I'm like, oh, that's Mm. not really, that's not really a good look. So I'm like, okay, I'm just going to choose a different way than to write this because I know, you know, that's a topic that is very important to a lot of people that impacts a lot of people in a very real Mm -hmm. way. And I'm like, I don't want to alienate my readers by, you know, potentially doing something like that. So, you know, even if you don't intend to portray something a certain way, you need to remember that, you know, impact is far greater than intent. You know, you can intend to do good, but if what you do ends up impacting somebody negatively, that needs to be recognized, and that's more important than that intent behind it.
1: Right, and we've talked about this a couple different times in regards to writing about whether or not you understand that if you want people to read it then it's got to be able to be something that people are going to want to read yeah and if you're going to write just for yourself you know woohoo write whatever the blazes you want but simultaneously Mm -hmm. then if you're going to make a bunch of people mad they're not going to be interested in what you're writing Mm -hmm. especially in jk rowling's case you know she has been able to fund her life and they talk often about her being a success story where she was you know late 20s and not doing so great so she was able to you know write and fund herself into a different life because of harry potter Mm -hmm. and you know she obviously wrote something that people wanted to read which is why it's so interesting now that we're uh talking about the sorts of things that people don't want to read now 20 years later so yeah. I've got a couple questions for you. Um, okay. We we often talk about, you know, in passing, things like when you retcon something. Mm-hmm. So what does that mean when a writer retcons something?
0: Uh, well, when a writer or when anybody retcons something, that means that they've taken something that has previously been established in canon and they have retroactively gotten rid of it. So kind of like when J.K. Rowling came out and said that Dumbledore was gay. That wasn't something that was explicitly said in the books and that could be seen as something that was retconned because, you know, obviously there wasn't anything that directly contradicted it, but that was not explicitly stated in canon before that. And that also, you know, brings up the issue of queer baiting which is a whole other issue in regards to the LGBT community that we have to deal with on um, uh, and so much so many other franchises and media. So, you know, saying and doing something like that, you know it's when you don't explicitly state it in canon, but then come back and state it as fact, then it's like, well, are you really, do you really mean that? or are you just trying to get, you know, rack up some ally points with us. And it's like, "Mm, that's not really how it works. No, no, that, that's not really how it works.
1: What's so interesting to me about that is that I always kind of, how do I say this? So I know queer baiting is when you make it seem like two characters could be into each other Mm -hmm. when they are of the same sex. And then it turns out that they're really not even a little bit at all. Um, Yeah.
0: It's. But. It has to do with how characters are written. When characters are written in a story, they're they're coded in certain ways, you know. And especially when two characters are going to be romantic with each other, they're usually typically coded romantically towards each other. What do you mean coded? Um, it's it's when they're written, you know. There are just certain ways that they're written, how they're portrayed, what they do to each other, how they interact with each other, you know. So say like two characters that are going to be together. Are going to interact in ways that are going to suggest a romantic relationship is forming whereas if two characters are just friends then it's just going to be a very friendly platonic interaction Um, so like say if if two characters are talking and one of them is like intensely looking at the other maybe looking at their lips maybe you know you know lick their own lips you know it's there's kind of like you know different gestures and different things that they do to indicate that They are interested in this character, but not just as a friend. They are interested in this character in different ways. And I mean, that's just like one little example, but I mean, you know, that's the general idea. Like you see that these characters, yes, they are written in ways that would mean or should mean that they're going to get together. But then at the end, then the writers just kind of don't fulfill that at all. They either come to come out as just friends or they just leave the whole thing hanging entirely. And it's a tactic to kind of try to appease both sides. Whereas, you know, they know, of course, if they write some characters as gay, people aren't going to be happy about that, obviously. But then they know that if they just continually don't give in and write people as gay, then, you know, obviously, we're not going to be happy that we're not getting any representation at all. So they kind of try to play both sides to appease everyone, but it doesn't really lead to any fulfillment, at least on our side. So, I don't know. So, it's just... It's a right. it's so honestly a big issue, at least for us.
1: Queer baiting is when that is being instigated by the writers. So, they have yes. to be, like, really obviously saying that these two people are acting that way towards each other and then it turns out that they're not. What's it called when fans do it to themselves do you know what I mean like oh no
0: and see this is a thing because I know like a lot of cases people will say oh you're just seeing things that aren't there and stuff like that and a lot of times I feel that that's gaslighting because there are definitely especially with certain like couples quote-unquote there are definite examples you could look to to see that yes they are coded that way they are you know written that way you know it seems that they are written and acted that way intentionally But, you know, at the same time, if, say, another person doesn't really, you know, recognize that because they aren't really looking for it or they don't want to recognize that, then they just kind of pass it off as, oh, well, that's just the way you see things. And it leads to a whole cycle of gaslighting where it's like, look, you know, this isn't important to y'all. But it's important to us and so let us just have this you know if you don't want to think of this character as gay then don't obviously they aren't explicitly stated to be gay or else you know this wouldn't be an issue but you know we do need to recognize that you know if characters are coded a certain way then they are coded a certain way this is a lot especially with uh, certain characters of certain tv shows that have been on the air for years and years and years if they are coded a certain way we there is a ton of evidence to suggest that and whether you like the ship or not whether you support it or not the evidence for that is still there you know it, it's more of you know not letting yourself and your own personal feelings get in the way of the objective evidence
1: okay so then um right now we're also living in a, a time where cancel culture is a big thing mm-hmm and I've heard the word tossed around a bit. I'm not 100% sure what it's referring to. Uh, Well,
0: cancel culture, the term itself is just uh, used basically to describe, you know, when something comes out about an actor or a writer or, you know, pretty much anybody, you know, a celebrity in general, whether that be, you know, a big time Hollywood exec or even just a YouTuber, you know, if something comes out about them, whether they're, you know, in their problematic in some way, Um, the cancel culture is all about like you know unsubscribing not you know buying into anything that they're involved in you know basically just kind of some sort of shaming device where you know they're called out and they're held accountable for their actions and now here's the thing like sometimes cancel culture this whole cancel culture does seem to go a little bit overboard and kind of take over every little thing and it does, I think, get in the way of some people's growth, but on the other hand, I know that there are people out there who will not change, who will never change, who it doesn't really matter except in their wallets. And if it is possible to impact them in the place where they where they do care about it, then I think that is important to do, if that makes okay. sense.
1: It does. I So... There's something around J.K. Rowling and cancel culture as far as, like, throwing out the books and that mm-hmm. kind of thing, right? Yeah, I, I think that is part of it. Although, I mean, I honestly
0: haven't seen a whole lot of people saying, oh, yeah, I would just throw out the books and throw out everything, all the merch that you have and everything like that. It's,
1: right.
0: it, it's you know, obviously if you have those things already, she already has your money. There's no point <laughs> right. in destroying things that you already have. You know, it, it's kind of like people yeah. who go out and... Um, buy jerseys of sports stars that they don't agree with and then burn them and it's like yeah. you like you just took your money now yeah. just
1: down a shirt yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh. it, that,
0: it's just yeah so honestly like I know a lot of fans have kind of struggled with you know this has brought me a lot of joy but I know that there are problematic things in here and I know that the mm-hmm. author is problematic it's more of trying to these days I think divorce the author from her work and say we love this but we don't love you
1: yeah no i can see that and that's that i think is the the most interesting part of the harry potter problems is that Mm -hmm. there's just so much of it that hasn't aged well Mm -hmm. and i don't know really if that's jk rowling's problem or not um i'd like to think that she's been able to grow and change as a person because we all do And even a lot of the people I've seen on YouTube that, you know, I was able to watch 10, 12 years ago who have completely different looks and different styles and different platforms now, um, have changed and been able to grow and that's been kind of a blessing to watch them do that. However, I also have to recognize that the retconning and the changing the story to fit your own plans to, to stay to stay in the narrative isn't really what those should be used for. Um, mm-hmm. You know, taking Dumbledore and Grindelwald, uh, for example. It wasn't ever discussed in the book because it wasn't ever discussed in the books. Like, it just wasn't. Yeah. So, there wasn't ever a moment where he you know when that was announced i was like right okay sure Mm -hmm. maybe i didn't read the book properly maybe i wasn't paying attention (laughs) yeah and i mean uh, joe had
0: plenty of chances in the books to kind of you know have a really intimate vulnerable moment between harry and and dumbledore you know despite any of my feelings about dumbledore himself you know there was a moment where he could have been really vulnerable with Harry and said, "You know, I I messed up and I fell in love with somebody who was ended up not being good for me." You know, this this is excellent advice to pass on to a young student. You know, right? What but did he
1: say instead? He didn't say anything.
0: Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That. Of course. that's what I'm saying like he well I mean you know that's pretty much par for the course for Dumbledore anyway yeah
1: (laughs) well and you know Dumbledore wasn't a great teacher mentor anyway he was flawed and jaded and a bad chess player like just not great Mm -hmm. I I wouldn't want him as the principal of my school oh no in fact if my daughter was going there I would have pulled her right out let's go someplace else this (laughs) this environment's not good for you oh yeah (laughs) yeah I mean, in the in the sense of you know, we have all of these opportunities in our in our world now to change how we're raising our children or who's involved in raising our children. I wouldn't let Aurelia go to Hogwarts. Stop.
0: yeah. and I, I mean, mean
1: the- <laughs> I, I mean, i I think part of it is that you know, when we read the books,
0: we're reading specifically and only from Harry's perspective, right and he is what we call an unreliable narrator. And I think. We sometimes forget about that because what he sees what he describes how he tells the story is biased you know he sees things a certain way because of his own thoughts and feelings and I mean some of it's fine and some of it's not fine so I mean right. obviously he sees Dumbledore as this good genuine person and so in his mind he's not going to portray him as anything else when in reality He's a lot more morally gray than I think a lot of people like to think he is.
1: You mean Harry or
0: Dumbledore? No, Dumbledore.
1: Dumbledore. Okay. <laughs> I was going to say, well, Harry's a little kid. Um.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Sorry. But yeah, like he, yeah. you know, there are a lot of shady things about Dumbledore. There are a lot of risks he took. And obviously Harry trusted him and he revered him. But, you know, that colors his own depiction of him. So he's right. not really going to acknowledge the shady things that he was doing or acknowledge the harm that he was causing right. because, you know, that's something that he just kind of brushes aside in his own mind.
1: And him trusting him like that, yeah. like, you know, almost got him killed how many times? So yeah. so many. Right. <laughs> um, let's talk about some of the other teachers at, Dum- mm-hmm. at, at Hogwarts then. Mm-hmm. And what's really funny about this is I'm totally wearing my Hogwarts t-shirt tomorrow. <laughs> I'm... I'm just like this is so good <laughs> I mean that's okay.
0: the and I mean that's the whole thing I mean these the series obviously means something to some people and I still love Harry Potter of I course. I mean I have kind of cooled down a little bit in my love for it because of Joe Rowling's comments have, you know mm-hmm. obviously directly impact me being a trans person it's like wow thank you for completely invalidating me and in sure. my identity you know well and that's it's, it's more so like, awesome
1: <laughs> I can appreciate this literature and what what it is to me yeah but it's not that jk rowling can do no wrong but, but yeah and because it's she did plenty
0: you know i i obviously you know i love the world itself i love mm-hmm. its potential and i love the characters in it i don't have to love the author to do that you know right, exactly
1: what's really interesting to me is the idea that this is occurring in the same kind of world as, you know, Wizarding Wizarding World and Fantastic Beasts, and um, I feel like there's been other creative resources in creating those other things, too, because I feel like the first time you start a game in Wizarding World, I'd have to ask Aurelia, but I feel like when you start, you get the opportunity to play, I think, it's a person of color, it's a little girl, I, I think that was the default, and I was kind of, like, thrilled to see the default character be not white. Yeah. Um, which is, like, one of the biggest problems with Hogwarts is that everyone is basically white. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I know that people are going to say, oh, well,
0: it takes place in the UK, which is, you know, majority white people. And here's the thing, though. But majority what? white doesn't mean <laughs> mostly white or only white. Like, there, how many really named characters of color are there in the books and how many yeah. are actually meaningful to the story
1: yeah and that's what's so interesting too is because you know that one time okay so first i want to mention i watch plenty of bbc so i know that um it's not all white people over there um at least the bbc doesn't portray oh, yeah. it that way oh yeah no. so it, it's kind of wonderful to be watching something like Doctor Who this season that's Mm -hmm. most recently out because you see a much more diverse um, world. Mm -hmm. That being said I also kind of like thought that there was only white people over there because of the media that I was consuming Mm -hmm. based off of Harry Potter and whatever else nonsense I was was watching. You know like I didn't watch any other British television movies or anything like that Mm -hmm. but I kind of assumed that Britain was mostly white people because Hogwarts was mostly white people yeah and it's interesting to me too that um, JK Rowling has not really I feel like the characters that she created were her characters to create Mm -hmm. the fact that she did not really diversify very much of the people she had created says a lot about her not necessarily oh yeah but when she says things like on twitter where someone will say hey you know my wife says that um there's there's no jewish wizards so she's got to be the only wizard in my family and then jk rowling says oh so and so goldstein was of this house he was a jewish wizard like yeah who? What? What? <laughs> like, that, that, this is a character that has We don't that remember no that character meaning. because that character was not rem- rememberable. Yeah. Like, that, stop that, it. Yeah.
0: It, that's a ridiculous just form of tokenism where it's just, you know, oh, well, no, there definitely was Jewish wizards. Just like when she came out when Curse Child um, was in production and a, I don't remember her ethnicity, but I know she, she was a black actress who was cast as Hermione. And right. people were like, so there were some people, obviously, who were just, you know, actual you know pieces of crap who were you know making a fuss about it and joe came out and be like oh well no i kind of you know basically endorsed the idea and said that hermione could totally be black and that she never specified in the books even though a she totally did pretty much specify in the books and two she had a hand in casting and production of the movies and she fully endorsed emma watson's casting of hermione so if she had an issue with that and if she said oh no but i wrote hermione to be you know black or i wrote her to be more racially ambiguous then she but should no, have she never spoke- did yeah she should have spoke up then but she didn't it's just it's another form of tokenism to try to get you know these ally points where it's like
1: no just just no just don't just stop right you well, know the the better thing to do would have admitted that she didn't but yeah. in hindsight, yes, Hermione could be. Um, just like when you cast a character in a play, you mm-hmm. can cast them whatever color. The only yeah. shows you can't do that in are things like hairspray. Like yeah. it, you could, it, There's clearly lots of racial bias in that. There's there's injustice. You can't you can't like cast a white person as a black person because yeah you can't do that. However, when it's not part of the plot. That's what you do you cast those people as whoever sings the best whoever can do the whole solo the best whoever yeah. can hit the high notes whatever needs to happen needs to happen
0: yeah and i mean if so she, she wanted could have to said that yeah but she, she didn't yeah if she wanted to just support the actress which is perfectly fine she could have just said oh well you know this is okay you know i'm sure she will do a great job i am mm-hmm. very excited and i'm confident that she can nail this character you know and her race doesn't really matter it's okay you know it, that's all she really needed to say and all she really needed to do, but instead she actively took this step forward to say, oh no, Hermione was totally black. I, you know, wrote her racially ambiguous in these books. And it's like, no, no, you didn't. You didn't. Right.
1: <laughs> okay, so then let's also talk about um, her stance as a writer uh, on tran- uh, trans people.
0: Obviously, you know, in the whole wizarding world, there's all these, you know, magic and potions and all these things and you would think you know that there could be something if you know a wizard was so inclined or interested to help them transition or to help them you know adjust their appearance to you know account for any dysphoria they may be having but you know that wasn't anything that she really got into which i mean if it's not relevant to the story it's not relevant but You know, as you go out further from Harry Potter and as you explore different mediums in that world, especially like on Pottermore and stuff like that, where there's all kinds of like little bits and bobs of, you know, information that, you know, not necessarily relevant to the story, but still, you know, fans might want to know kind of like a behind the scenes kind of, you know, thing where, you know, you might reveal, oh, well, I had this idea, or, oh, this was a little story that I, backstory that I made up for this that I couldn't fit in, you know. Stuff like that, which, totally fine. But, you know, it's, it was telling that there wasn't anything describing, you know, any issues with trans wizards or any issues that they might have, anything that they might be going through. And, which, I mean, if she didn't think it up, she didn't think it up. It's, you know, we're kind of, kind of used to it by now, I guess. Right, right. You know, but I find it telling that she has, as feminist as she says she is, she's very much ingrained a sense of patriarchy into the wizarding world. And in the course of the books, doesn't really do a whole lot to dissuade from that or to try to challenge that. You know, like if she had set it up in order to challenge it, that would be one thing. But I, other than perhaps Hermione, whose challenges to the wizarding world is normally just kind of written off as, oh, she's just being kind of silly, or oh, she's muggle-born so she doesn't really understand. You know, it, it's just very telling to me that of where her priorities really lie.
1: Right. Well, and, I mean, it seems like a lot of her interactions are simply to make herself look better, make mm-hmm. herself look like someone who...
0: I'm such a good, virtuous person who, you know, cares about people and who wants to be inclusive and build up, I don't know, these ally points for something. I don't know. I, I don't get the whole.
1: I mean, you, you don't get to cash them in later. Like, no, it's not... we,
0: we don't have prizes. I, I'm sorry to say, you know, if any of y'all out there are trying to, you know, get ally points for the LGBTQ community, I'm sorry to say, no, we do not have prizes for you to cash in you know the the rainbow <laughs> headbands are not available i'm sorry we don't have them anymore <laughs> oh um do you have a gaming corner today yes yes i do because there there's so much you know that we want to talk about about the subject that you know there there's just no way that we can really cover everything in one episode but before we get too too carried away let me go ahead and talk a little about talk a little bit about gaming corner so Last gaming corner, obviously, kind of a downer, talking about the Marvel Avengers game and how it seems to be, you know, just extremely predatory and not even that good, le you know. However, within the past week or so, I believe, WB Games, who, you know, has previously kind of been helping and doing things in the Arkhamverse, which, you know, if anybody hasn't played the Arkham games, they started off with... Arkham Asylum went to Arkham City. Um, there was an Arkham Origins, and then Arkham Knight. It's a very big, exciting, wonderful series. Honestly, that people love. That is had a really big impact on superhero games in general. Um, it's kind of just revered. Um, it's it's very good games, very good. But they haven't really done anything since Arkham Knight, and you know people have been kind of waiting and waiting to see. You know, are they going to do anything else? Because Arkham Knight kind of ended a little bit on a weird cliffhangery kind of ending. I mean, not like too cliffhangery, but like still, like it it ended in a very unexpected manner. Um, so, spoilers for anybody who has not played this game or knows this yet. But at the end of Arkham Knight, um, Batman, you know, he wins obviously. But in the course of winning and beating Scarecrow and you know everything that that entails, um, his identity as Bruce Wayne was revealed to the world and which was part of Scarecrow's plan and so at the end of the game he activates or what he says is he activates this nightfall protocol which he returns to his home um, and you know there's a whole gaggle of reporters like you know kind of waiting for him outside the gates and he you know because they've realized that hey you know this is Batman and you know they want to interview him and everything and he just kind of you know waves them all away and he goes into his house and Wayne Manor explodes and it's presumed that he dies. Um, there is a figure later that comes off as Batman that is fighting a bunch of thugs in, um, in Gotham City, but it's never explicitly said that it is Bruce that he somehow survived or that it's, or if it's somebody else. So it's, it was kind of left up in the air as to Bruce's fate, and they've recently come out now. They have two different games in development um, that is going to be released within the next few years here. One of them is a continuation of that Arkham verse, um, and that is, involves a Suicide Squad. I'm personally not really all that in, in on that particular game. I just, I, I feel like I'm suicide squatted out. I, I'm, I'm tired of hearing and listening about Suicide Squad. I, I, I want to, I want to read and look at other things, you know, other mm-hmm. than them. Sure. Um, but they have another game that is going to take place outside of that Arkhamverse called Gotham Knights, and in this particular one, it seems like they're they're not following that Arkhamverse exactly, but they are starting it on a kind of similar note where Bruce Wayne has been killed um, in a building explosion, and now it's up to you know the whole Bat family to kind of come together and you know defeat evil and save Gotham and help everybody, and so you have Nightwing who is the first Robin. You have Red Hood, who was the second Robin. You have Robin himself, who in this case is Tim Drake. Um, no mention of Damian Wayne. Oh, well, thank God. And then you have Batgirl, um, Barbara Gordon. Uh, obviously, this is very different from the Arkhamverse because in the Arkhamverse, uh, Barbara Gordon had been um, shot by Joker and paralyzed, and so she was Oracle. So obviously she didn't have like a direct Kind of influence in there she was just kind of support but now it looks like she is coming in she is they are kind of wiping that slate clean and so she is going to be batgirl i assume you're going to be fighting with her at least in some cases um i don't know if you're gonna like be able to choose to fight as her or maybe like you play like different chapters as her but i mean it seems really interesting that you know you'll be able to use the all these different characters to you know roam around and do things in gotham um, another interesting thing about it is it looks like they're going to be bringing in the whole Court of Owls storyline from the comics, which is a storyline that I don't think a whole lot of media has been produced on. Um, you know, some some comic uh, story arcs, they kind of make the jump from comics to like animated to even some live action things, you know, kind of like Civil War or Infinity War or the Dark Phoenix Saga. Um, Court of Owls is something I don't think they've Ever addressed before in other media, at least not that I recall. So I'm kind of interested to see how they're going to incorporate all of
1: that. And
0: yeah, that that is my gaming corner.
1: (laughs) Cool. I don't think I can handle more than one game that I want to play.
0: So (laughs) (laughs) well, we still have Cyberpunk that is supposed to come out in November. So we'll see. We'll see Um, if it actually drops. (laughs) Yeah.
1: So we do have a whole bunch more to talk about as far as the problems with harry potter we are going to do a part two episode oh so stay tuned um you know two weeks from today we'll be able to have that one up for you and in the meantime if you've listened to this episode and you have things you'd like us to talk about you are more than welcome to let us know also i think we might even try and post a couple of the articles that that um tegan has told me to read oh yes definitely i'm read up on these things because you know I have one of those memories that's just sort of like a colander where (laughs) things just fall out. Most of my memories are water, so I don't even – there are things that I need to look into just so I can talk to Tegan about them. That being said,
0: (laughs) I'm Lindsay. And I'm Tegan, and thank you for getting nerdy with us today on Beauties and Headcanons.